These days, Triple H is considered to be one of wrestling's good guys, especially now he's retired from in-ring competition. But rewinding back to 21 years ago, it's easy to forget just how much fans hated his guts in the early 2000s. In 2002, Triple H embarked upon his reign of terror, a period of three years in which he bored WWE fans to tears and his fellow wrestlers would have all of their momentum wiped out thanks to his grip on the Raw main event scene. In this video, we will take a look at Triple H's reign of terror and why it made him one of wrestling's most hated men in the early 2000s. After SummerSlam 2002, Brock Lesnar was the undisputed champion and became exclusive to the SmackDown brand. Raw general manager Eric Bischoff announced that he was introducing the World Heavyweight Championship. But rather than having a tournament or even simply a battle royal to crown the new champion, the belt was just handed to Triple H. A tournament for the new championship would have established who the title contenders were on the Raw brand going forward and having Hunter win the tournament by nefarious means would have made him even more of a heel than he already was. Just giving the belt to Triple H, however, devalued the championship before it had even started. This new title was supposed to be of equal value to the belt that Lesnar was holding. It would end up being years before the World Heavyweight Championship was ever taken anywhere near as seriously as the WWE title was at the time. Rob Van Dam would be the first victim of Hunter's reign of terror. When RVD won a number one contenders match to face Triple H, it felt like it was his time. No doubt RVD was massively over with the fans, but as the reign of terror got underway, that didn't really matter. The Unforgiven pay-per-view featured a mix of matches from both Raw and SmackDown, and it was telling that the World Heavyweight Championship match took place in the middle of the card. The main event that night was reserved for the WWE Championship match between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. Of course, RVD lost to Triple H on the night. The match was basically used to progress a storyline in which Ric Flair interfered in the contest when the referee was knocked out, and he took down RVD, allowing Triple H to pick up the win. Triple H and Ric Flair celebrated. They formed a partnership and sowed the seeds of what would become the Evolution faction down the line. We'll come back to Evolution a little bit later. What came next would be remembered for decades to come as one of the lowest moments in professional wrestling history. Triple H entered a feud with Kane in October and the catalyst for that feud centred around somebody known as Katie Vick. Everybody was curious as to who this Katie Vick was. Triple H came down to the ring and cut a promo in which he goaded Kane and then accused him of murdering this Katie Vick a decade before. A week later and Kane came to the ring and desperately explained how Katie Vick was a friend from back in the day and on a drive home from a party he swerved to avoid an animal 
causing a car crash that killed Katie instantly. Triple H then came out and accused Kane of drink driving and then taunted that Kane was actually in love with Katie and then actually accused Kane of having sex with Katie's corpse. Fans in the arena watched on, probably wishing they'd bought tickets for Smackdown instead. Those fans would have been forgiven for thinking that this storyline had already sunk to its lowest point, but it was about to sink far, far lower. At no mercy, Kane put his Intercontinental Championship on the line in a match with Triple H. Naturally, Triple H won the match and the IC title was unified with the World Heavyweight Championship. The next night on Raw, the feud continued. Triple H actually brought a tape with him and told the production truck to play it, but warned the fans that this was not for the squeamish. On the tape, a casket was showed in a funeral parlour. Triple H entered, dressed as Kane with a Kane mask and a big red machine t-shirt on, and made it clear that Katie Vick was supposed to be the one laying in rest in the casket. To put it mildly, Triple H simulated an act on the supposed corpse before throwing grey matter into the camera, we assume katie's brains in this case it was just horrible easily one of the most distasteful things that wwe have ever done the reign of terror was in full swing and nobody was safe not young prospects like rvd not veterans like kane and not even hunter's best friend sean michaels the survivor series in november 2002 featured the first ever elimination chamber match which saw michaels enter the cage alongside triple h Chris Jericho, Kane, Booker T and Rob Van Dam. At the climax of the match, only Triple H and real-life best friend Shawn Michaels remained in the ring. Hunter graciously allowed himself to be pinned by Michaels, who left the chamber as new World Heavyweight Champion. Triple H would beat RVD to become the number one contender for the title, and at Armageddon in December, he met Shawn Michaels again in a three stages of hell match. To be fair, it was a violent, enthralling contest, but this was 2002, and Shawn Michaels could have had a classic match with a sausage if he really put his mind to it. Triple H emerged the victor, winning back his World Heavyweight Championship. Next time, he wouldn't give it up so easily. A new phase of the Reign of Terror began at the end of 2002 that saw Triple H cutting former WCW main eventers, down in their midst. First came Scott Steiner, who had ascended to WCW's main event in the final year of the company. Steiner was a hugely effective heel in WCW, and there was a lot of excitement when he signed a contract with WWE, making his first appearance at the Survivor Series, where he destroyed Chris Nowinski and Matt Hardy before cutting an intense promo. The fans in Madison Square Garden were rabid with excitement, at Steiner's debut, and that excitement was maintained for the next few weeks while he was still being treated like a big deal in the company. There was a storyline in which SmackDown General Manager Stephanie McMahon fought with Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff as to who would sign Steiner to a contract. He was being treated like the biggest free agent in wrestling. This all maintained Steiner as being a big deal and worth fighting for. Steiner would eventually sign with Eric Bischoff to appear on Raw, and it was all downhill from there. Steiner was a natural heel, but he was forced into a babyface role for his feud with Triple H, and made to wrestle those long, boring matches that Hunter was becoming infamous for. 
Couple that with truly awful test of strength segments and soon the fans started turning against the feud. I've made an entire video on the subject of Scott Steiner's wasted WWE career. I'll leave a link to it if you want to know what happened there in a bit more detail. Safe to say that after their match at No Way Out in February, Steiner was sent packing down to the mid-card. The next contestant was Booker T. During the last days of WCW's existence, Booker T had been a real joy to watch as he emerged as a main eventer and WCW World Champion. When the WWF purchased the remnants of WCW, Booker T came with the deal and he debuted with the Federation in 2001 as part of the Invasion angle. Since then, Booker's fortunes had been mixed. He got his ass kicked by Steve Austin in a supermarket and he lost to Edge in a feud based around who would appear in a Japanese shampoo commercial. I kid you not. Booker formed a memorable odd couple tag team with Goldust in 2002 before eliminating The Rock in a battle to become the number one contender to the World Heavyweight Championship in February 2003. It seemed that Booker was about to reascend to his former glory as a headliner and maybe even win that big gold belt that he previously held in WCW. This was always going to be a struggle for Booker going into WrestleMania 19 because that was a card that included some huge matches like Vince McMahon versus Hulk Hogan, The Rock versus Steve Austin and Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. On this card, the Booker T versus Triple H match was always going to get buried under three other bigger matches. Matters were made worse by a promo that Triple H cut on Booker after he became number one contender it would become one of wrestling's most infamous promos, for all the wrong reasons. After winning his number one contenders match, Booker came to the ring for a victory speech, and then Hunter interrupted. Triple H went on a tirade that was construed by some as being racist, telling Booker that people like him didn't become world champion, only people like Triple H were allowed to be world champion. Hunter said that Booker might have been WCW champion, but that basically meant nothing because WCW was in the toilet at the time and even David Arquette managed to become WCW champion. Triple H said that Booker couldn't be world champion because he was only good for entertaining people and making people laugh and then he told Booker to do a dance for him. Now Triple H could have been referring specifically to former WCW main eventers when he said people like you don't become world champion, but it became a bit more dubious when Hunter made fun of, and I quote, Booker's nappy hair. The promo might have been looked back upon differently had Booker won the match at WrestleMania, but he didn't. Booker T was beaten in the middle of the ring, Triple H retained the World Heavyweight Championship, and the reign of terror continued its march onwards throughout 2003. Goldberg signed with WWE in 2003 and the former WCW megastar entered the company to huge excitement. Much like with Scott Steiner, that excitement would be short-lived and Goldberg's 2003-2004 to 2004 WWE run is remembered as a massive letdown. WWE didn't play to Goldberg's strengths. In WCW, Goldberg was rarely expected to have long matches, and he very rarely got on the microphone. He made his entrance, he kicked ass for about three minutes, and then he left, and that was the end of it. 
Now, Goldberg did win the World Heavyweight Championship from Triple H, but it wasn't long before Triple H won it back again at Armageddon in December. At the end of their feud, Triple H had beaten Goldberg on three separate occasions. 2003 also saw the debut of Evolution, a faction that emerged from Triple H and Ric Flair's partnership and also starred Randy Orton and Batista. The idea behind Evolution was that the stable represented the past, the present and the future of the wrestling business. By the end of 2003, they held all of Raw's major championships. World Champion Triple H was joined by Tag Team Champions Batista and Ric Flair and Intercontinental Champion Randy Orton. Triple H lost the World Championship to Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 20 in March 2004, and then Randy Orton would go on to beat Benoit for the title in August at SummerSlam. The night after his title victory, Orton was booted out of Evolution. It was hoped that Orton would become Raw's new number one babyface, but because Orton was so deeply unlikable, he absolutely flopped in the role of good guy. And so, WWE panicked, and a month later, at the Unforgiven pay-per-view, Triple H beat Randy Orton to regain the title in a boring 25-minute slog of a match to sit through, becoming a four-time World Heavyweight Champion. Triple H's match style around this time became even more plodding and methodical than ever before. Feud after feud, week after week, Triple H would come out and cut rambling promos that just went on and on and on. It wasn't until Triple H entered a feud with Batista that he started to loosen his grip on the main event of Raw and the World Heavyweight Championship. Batista beat Triple H for the world title at WrestleMania 21 in April 2005 and would go on to beat Triple H a further two times. Triple H would end up suffering from some minor neck issues and he would end up taking a hiatus after that third loss to Batista. And finally, the reign of terror was over, once and for all. <laughs> 